You're listening to From Heaven and Hope, a weekly podcast where Nicole Frazier brings you conversations from those who have been affected by grief. Whether a parent, child, friend, counselor, pastor, or philanthropist, everyone moves through and conquers grief in their own way. We know that what you're facing is a long road, but no matter how dark that road is, there will always be light. There will always be purpose. From where they are in heaven to the hope you need to move forward, we want to help you on that journey. Here is today's episode. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to From Heaven and Hope, the podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. Today we have Rachel Autry on the podcast, and she is just an amazing person. She is, in a roundabout way, kind of responsible for From Heaven and Hope. She is a well-known online encourager, podcaster, and just all-around happy person. Um, She's just welcomed her first baby boy with her husband, and she is going to share her story with grief and overcoming those feelings and also just finding the beauty within the pain. So let's take a listen. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Nicole? I'm good. I'm so good. Thank you so much for being on. I'm so honored to be here. Seriously, like when you reach out, it's always a privilege to come and chat. This is like a virtual coffee is what I always say to my friends. I'm like, I listen, this is how I hang out with my friends these days. I'll take it. Same here right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. For anyone listening, uh, Rachel is the leader or the coach of the coaching session that I was referring to when I recorded with Audrey Ford and Elizabeth Foyle, who have also been on the podcast, share their stories. Yeah. And the person who planted the seed to do a podcast in general in my head. So I guess thank you is in order because this is extremely <laughs> cathartic for me as well. So. I'm telling you, podcasts rock. Yeah. They're so fun. They are. And it's like been such a great journey and so special. But, and I'm sure everybody listening knows who you are, but just in case they don't, do you want to just share a little bit about who you are and then why you're here today on this podcast, what we're going to chat about? Yeah. So hello, my name is Rachel Autry. I um, am a wife to my best friend, Thomas. He and I met actually in high school. So that's kind of, that might jump into the story later. So we say high school sweethearts, um, although we took a little break and then we got back together in college. And then now I am a new mom to three month old yesterday, as of yesterday, um, my baby Maddox, we had a little baby boy back in March. Um, I Yes, I love this podcast world. I'm also a podcast host. I call myself an online encourager where I just like to bring the real deal from Thomas and I, like what we're learning and leaning into because he is in the military and we're currently in pilot training for him in Mississippi. And, you know, you mix in an infant and there's just a lot of wild things. Even before we had him and before we were here for training, I just loved sharing what life looked like for me online just because I felt one, like it was cathartic. It was great. But then also as well as my online journal, but I found that there was such a community gathering over this, like, you know, Hey, let's all kind of rally around each other, help encourage one another, like the real deal encouragement, not Mm -hmm. like you got this sis, you know, that I feel like people kind of throw around these days. So I kind of just share as much as I feel like the Lord's calling me to share online and hoping that it meets other women where they are just because life's not always pretty, but there's beautiful parts, even in the really difficult that God wants to meet us in. And I love to find that in between because it exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
that, and that kind of nicely leads us into kind of more <laughs> like this, like this podcast specifically being yeah. about healing after grief and uh, loss and how you move through grief and stuff. How has grief and loss presented itself in, in your life? Yeah. So, um, man, a lot of ways, <laughs> but I've learned, but I've learned kind of this grief and loss journey through one particular loss back in high school. Um, I actually lost my dad in this weird accident where life's changed overnight, like woke up one morning, life was, you know, quote unquote normal and woke up the next morning and we were learning to live something completely different. Um, he passed away in a rock climbing accident, which <laughs> always kind of like makes people twist their head. It's very, it's very much an oddity. It's something you never really hear about. Right. Um, but I think just the way it happened and even his story, um, leading up to his death and the legacy he left behind. And I mean, all of it, um, looking back hindsight, right. Being 2020, I'm able to see that yes, God was actually in the midst of it, but definitely did not feel that in the moment. And so my grief journey was really messy. But I feel like led me to a place where I don't have it figured out by any means, but I've been to the low places that I know I'd never want to go back to. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've really gotten to know the God that can help me, like can help me. And I trust him enough to obey what he says. So I'll never, hopefully, I mean, God willing, go back to those low places again by my choice. So we can dive into all, all the messiness. Cause I'm an open book. I told Nicole before we started recording, like, I will share it all because I also want to be the friend. It's like, Hey, Mayday, do not go there. Red flag, red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, I had those people in my life, whether I listened to them or not, it was a different story, but, but I want to be that friend for people listening, um, for my future self. If I wanted to re-listen to this one day, like, cause, cause it's real and it happens and it's not an if it's a win and mm-hmm. it might sound pessimistic, but it's just life. Yeah, it is just life. And so you mentioned it being a little bit messy and a little bit, yeah. and you were willing to share. So what did that early time following your dad's passing up? What did that look like? That grieving process look like versus like what it looks like now when you, when you sort of right. move through hurt or loss or heartache. So for some context, um, when I was in second grade, we started going to a family therapist because my dad was, um, diagnosed with this really weird kidney disease and was on dialysis. And eventually the dialysis stopped working and we were on the waiting list for a transplant or he was, I say, we, I felt like a family thing, Mm -hmm. um, for a while. And it got to a point where the doctors basically said, you know, you need to start having conversations with your family about what life would look like without you. Um, you know, it's great to do that through counseling. So I went to counseling and we talked very openly about what life would look like post dad. Um, and I assumed kind of like everyone's dad died around second grade. <laughs> I was like, when's your dad dying? Like going to school, <laughs> just like, like very vulnerable. Hard. I just, I didn't know like little eight year old me. And, um, but I had kind of come to grips with what life would look like just through the help of counseling. Right. Well then like this amazing, miraculous story unfolded, um, where this other woman felt led to get herself tested and see if she would be a match for my dad. And she sure enough was, and she gave him her kidney. And that's sort of how I met Jesus was through this beautiful earthly representation of someone else giving their life to my dad. So he could live his to the full. And, you know, that is what Jesus did for us. And he beautifully explained that to me in the hospital. It was just really cool. Right. Mm -hmm. I guess like for me, I had always imagined, especially even as like an eight-year-old, that there's like that one bad thing that happens in your life and it becomes your story. And then yep. after that bad thing happens, you're in the clear, 
you know? So I was like, look how lucky I am. My bad thing happened at eight years old. The rest of my life is going to be beautiful and fun and easy. False. I mean, that's just not, that's just not true. So fast forward, I I had always imagined myself and my dad as invincible because we had kind of checked this hard thing off our checklist of life. So when he went off rock climbing one day, like he, like it was normal. He was not a pro by any means, but like he did that as a hobby and I assumed he was safe and like I said, invincible and he didn't come back home. It, it shook me. Um, and my, to answer your question, my grief got messy just cause I didn't know where to turn. And at that point in my life, my faith very much relied on my dad. So the fact I didn't have him there to encourage me through his own passing just wrecked me. I was really close with my dad and I had tons of questions left over after he wasn't here with me anymore. And I still do. But back then I just, I needed to find a way in my mind to feel loved, secure, valued the way that he did through Mm -hmm. men that Mm -hmm. I love my mom and she was totally there for me, but it's just different, you know? So was looking for that and that's where it got messy and we can even look, I mean, I can answer practically what that looked like, but, um, On the other side of that, I feel like I'm, this is a very long answer, but it all needs to be said on the other side of that. I think because I now understand that life is very fragile every day and that, um, the Lord is intertwined in everything, even the hard, like he still shows up and wants to be there in our corner, cheering for us, crying for us, holding us like rallying with us. Like he's there. He's a Mm -hmm. part of it all. I see that now. I didn't see that then. But it took almost him taking away what I thought was my rock to show me that he, that that the Lord was truly my rock, um, to show me that really I can face anything because losing my dad was my biggest fear and it happened and I'm okay. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't trade it for the war. I would have him back in a heartbeat if it was an option, but it's not an option and I'm okay. And I like my life. Like it's beautiful anyways. And so he, the Lord's proven himself to me like, Hey, even if the worst thing happened, I'm still good. And you are okay. Mm-hmm. And how did you like, because you said you, your faith was largely attached to your dad. So how did you, how did you find it again? How did you find that place where you could feel connected to your faith and lean into it the way you needed to following that loss? Yeah. I had to hit rock bottom. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is where it gets messy. I wanted to find that security and that love. Um, even if it was a false security, I still wanted to feel it in that moment. And so I turned to, um, I was in high school at this point, I was 17 or 16 when I lost him three days before my birthday, (laughs) then turned 17. And I, that's just such an awkward stage of life anyways, where you're trying to figure out who you are, what you believe, what you want to do with your life, all the things. Yeah. So, I mean, you add that confusion to some grief and it just got, yeah, hot mess express over here. I mean, you could find me doing, there's the sketchiest things with really interesting people. And (laughs) that included partying, um, relationships with other boys. I'm not even calling men boys. And what's so weird too, is looking back on that part of my life, I used to cringe. I used to be like, Oh, I don't even want to think about it. Now I've kind of come to a point where I'm like, those were decisions I made in a place in my life where there was grief and sure there's consequences, but that's just, that's just who I used to be and praise God. I'm not that anymore. So now reflecting back on that, Rachel is almost feels good. Like a victory. Like we've overcome that. We have, we have moved forward. I just did not handle it gracefully at all. I don't think anyone really handles it gracefully. And there is tons of grace for that, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, just messed up a lot of relationships. Thomas and I actually, my husband now, we were high school sweethearts, like I said, but we had broken up a few months before my dad passed away. So not being in a relationship with him, it just was, there just were a lot of variables. Um, yeah, like I said, especially in high school, where you're just already pretty insecure as a person. Yeah. Um, and then how did you, how did you kind of move out of that? Like, do you remember right. how you did that or what did that just happen naturally or what? Like, no, yes. Did we do something? Yeah. Um, I had just kind of messed up so much to a point where I knew I was at a low, I think even when I was doing things and acting out and being disobedient and rebellious, like I had very much a rebellious spirit. It was almost my cry for help for the people around me that were watching me. And I knew, I knew I was being watched. I knew I had great people in my life that saw me being very destructive that were like, whoa, we need to intervene here. And I had some amazing people in my life prior to my dad passing that really stood with me, even through my mistakes and watched me and loved on me and obviously encouraged me otherwise, but just knew at the end of the day, I was going to do what Rachel wanted to do just because I was very reckless. Um, I had several people step into my life and say, you're better. Like, this is going to be hard to hear. Please hear me out. You're better. There's something, there's something to be learned from this. Um, you are playing victim and I understand this is hard and I never would want to experience it on my own, but there's got to be something else for the rest of your life than what you're doing right now. And what better time to start than now figuring that out. And so I think going back and it's just so beautiful. I almost cry every time I think about it, um, how the Lord provided a community to be proactive for me that was there before there, during and thereafter. Mm-hmm. And, and I like to say too, that, you know, grief, grief is a part of everyday kind of disasters that we can't ever stop or delay that they are just all, always right on time, even though they feel like they're not supposed to be here at all. Mm-hmm. But what does your life look like right now to be proactive for when those strategies do strike? Do you have the people in your life that can stand with you and call you out and call you higher and say like the way you're grieving? I, I know, I know you've got to just walk through some things, but that's not a great choice. You're numbing. You're not really truly grieving here. You know, you are, um, making some choices I think are going to cause consequences that are harder than the moment right now. Like, can I help you? And I didn't know I had chosen those people. I didn't do it on purpose, but the Lord totally put them in my life. So they really truly were the ones to speak life back into me when I felt very lifeless and hopeless and felt like I had messed it up even more than how it originated in the beginning, just by losing my dad. Yeah. Yeah. That that's so true. Like you, those behaviors or, you know, pills or whatever, they are really truly like numbers and that grief is still going to be there when you kind of come out of it. So you need to find a way to, even if you spend some time in this sort of like destructive place, but once you come out of it, you're going to have to move through it eventually. So Mm -hmm. a doctor said that to me one time when I asked for meds and she said, I'll give them to Mm -hmm. you. But the thing is, yeah. So it's going to, once you go off of them, it's going to feel as I think you need to move through it first before yeah. yeah. I've heard too, like fight the battles now. So you don't have to fight the war later. Yeah. And it's like show up every day in small ways for yourself, people around you to build back a life that just looks different. so that later on, you're not having to undo a lot of mess and redo, redo yeah. more later on. Yeah, for sure. And so you spoke a lot about community there. Like, so is there anything that your friends or your like extended family or any, that anybody said to you or did for you that particularly speaks out as, as helpful, um, 
like Mm. words that they said, things that they did, gifts that they gave, like anything that you would, if someone was going through something similar now that you would do for them, like Mm. practically, um, we had a lot of people in the beginning. I think anyone going through a loss knows this, that those first two weeks, man, people are in and out bringing you things, taking care of you, making meals, sending you messages and cards and flowers and all the things. And you feel so loved and championed, even though you feel so low. Right. But there's like the, this awesome balance of being like, I'm going through something awful, but I know people love me because look at all this. And it's weird, Nicole, you might agree, but literally after two weeks, it's like everyone drops off the planet and they're like, okay, it's time to move on now. Yeah. And so something people did for me that I loved was, um, there was like a continuation, almost like a weaning per se. Like, I don't know how else to use it, but like, it would be everybody. And then it would kind of trickle off, but there was still people that hung around and made sure I was okay every day and, um, transitioned back into normal life. Cause that's the hardest part, right? The world's still spinning at normal pace, but yours is very much slow-mo. And yep. so you're trying to figure out like, how do I jump back on this carousel that's moving, even though I just want to stay here still. Um, and those kind of people were the people that, I mean, just they didn't have to say anything, but I think even just the ways that they showed up for me, um, I had people like when I went back to school, this is a good example. When I went back to school for the first day, my friends took me shopping. They're like, let's get you like a fun outfit that you look forward to putting on that day. You know, let's just small things. Like, can Mm -hmm. I take you to go get your haircut? Can we go get our nails? Can we, um, go out to lunch or you don't want to go out to lunch. Okay. Can I just bring you a coffee and we can sit and you can talk about your dad. Um, being open to hearing me talk openly about my dad felt like such a safe space. And I think people assumed that I wouldn't want to talk about it, which mm-hmm. was really difficult. Cause I, all I wanted to do was remember him and honor him and talk about him and remember memories. Cause I was afraid I would, I would forget if I didn't. Yeah. So yes, like being there, even after the right after period. Mm-hmm. And then, um, finding ways to get them excited about life again, even if it's really small and seems super frivolous, but it's just something that's going to get them excited about the day. And then three, like asking them quite be brave to bring up the person they're missing because it really does feel safe. At least it did for me. I'll speak for myself, but a lot of my other friends that have lost someone have said the same, you know, saying their name out loud hurts, but it heals. Like it's a good next step. Yeah. That, that seems to be a common thread actually to everybody I talk to is like everybody's, everybody's default mechanism as a support person is to say nothing, but that actually feels worse. So you need Mm -hmm. to say something. So that seems to be a very common trend. Um, I would agree as somebody who's been through something similar. So yeah, I would, I would say that's true. And then, so follow, so like following that maybe right after leading it, maybe now do you, how do you feel like, how do you manage any, or did you have any fear or anxiety or about like the fragility of life and like how it can just like split second, whether it be yours or another family members, or Mm -hmm. how, how do you manage that? Or did you struggle with that at all? I did for a while. I went back to counseling so I was, I had stopped counseling, um, in high school a little bit was just going for other random things like high school anxiety relationship with my mom, things like that. Mm-hmm. But I specifically went back for some anxiety after my dad's death and was just able to talk out loud my fears. But yes, I 
I was like, what if my mom passes away? What if I'm an orphan? What does an orphan mean? Like, I just became so curious about death. (laughs) That sounds so dark, but I just, I just considered everything a danger. I was really um, bitter towards adventure where my, you know, my dad had a kidney transplant. It's going back to this. So I was used to seeing my dad take a nap every day, be really exhausted, have to do dialysis, which just took him out for a few hours to post-transplant. He was running marathons and triathlons and was literally going race car driving and climbing mountain just was like, Hey, you know, live like you're dying, you know, that country song. Yes. That was totally my dad. He was just doing all the crazy things. He's like, shoot. I mean, I could have died in a hospital bed and I'm not. So let's go like do something else. That's really fun. So I think I grew bitter to that. I was like, Ooh, like if rock climbing took my dad, I'm not, I'm not ever stepping foot on a rock climbing course. I'm not going to do that. I, I hate the idea of it. I'm not going to go out of my way to do something that's obviously dangerous because things like that actually happen in life. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few years, um, I went to and I volunteered at this great place called JH Ranch. It is out in California. Um, it is a beautiful guest ranch where they have families come out and do some adventure type things to introduce God in a very neat and different adventurous way. And when you go as a college volunteer, Um, They give you a specific job. There's housekeepers. There's people in the kitchen. I mean, like it takes a lot to run a ranch. I could have been placed anywhere. They put me. And the funny thing is you apply, you have to put your testimony. And um, I wrote out my testimony, obviously my dad's accident being a part of it. Um, And they put me on the ropes courses. And I was like, how insensitive is this? I was like, you obviously (laughs) didn't read my testimony. Yeah. And I had a very honest conversation with um, the women's Dean, who was the one that placed me there. And she said, um, I remember her, it was a great moment for me. I really felt like flipped the page and she said, if not now, then when, and if not where, if not here, then where Mm -hmm. this is a safe space to fail. If you, if you cry and you break down, I am, I like, I am a person you can go to. Um, these other people are here for you. This is a place that you can feel it's safe. And I just, that permission Mm-hmm. It's something I felt like I really craved and needed where she said, you can fail. Yeah. You can do this wrong. And I'm here for you still. And this is this, you're not gonna, you don't have to leave because you can't handle it. We need to face this. And so that whole summer I was belaying people on ropes courses, watching people, watching dads, like climb with their children up on these ropes courses up there myself, you know, rescuing people in different situations. And it was such a redeeming summer where I was able to be excited about adventure and see adventure truly change people's lives and introduce them to God. So it took, it took all of that, and but how, how neat that the Lord was like, you needed this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. How old, how old were you when you like, how, how long after that was that from when your dad? Passed yeah. So away? I was 17 when I lost my dad and I was 20 when I went out to Just a few years. Yeah. JH Ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's good because like that shows like it, it takes time. Like that's, it does. I would never have been able to throw myself in there. And if you had asked me then it was still too early. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's no expiry date on, on grief, but also (laughs) on anything that comes with it. Like all the, all the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And then, so obviously your, your dad passed away, but your mom has, has found like love again. Right. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. how, how did that, how, how did you feel about that when it, when she's, when they started getting together or when you met him for the first time or with regards to your dad, like, and, and how yeah. that feels? Yeah. There's a lot to that story that, um, 
I've actually never been asked this question before, Nicole. Really, I haven't. <laughs> I've never had to answer this because that was also really messy. Um, and it's a lot of my mom's story to share. So I yeah, don't yeah. share a ton of it. But um, it was messy uh, for everybody. Um, there were great men that she dated when she started dating um, that just weren't great matches for our family. And we weren't great matches for him. And there was really, there was this one really... Um, awful man that she dated that was kind of on the hunt for you know some estates from widows kind of thing and he took advantage of her family pretty pretty badly which left a really hard place in my heart for other men besides my dad and realized because my dad was amazing that not all men are like him and there are some there are some really bad people out there yeah yes there are frogs and all princes Mm -hmm. right and um she Eventually came across this man named Todd, which is her husband now, spoiler alert. And I was not okay with it. I really had a hard time with it. I think at that point, honestly, though, he could have been the most perfect person on the planet, which there are none. And I still would have been very hesitant about Mm -hmm. it because I just, um, there's a lot going on in my life at that time. My mom got married three months after I got married. So we were newlyweds together. We were engaged together. Um, It was really hard for me because I was already missing you know, my dad, a part of this whole marriage and bridal season. And then right. to have my mom have her own was beautiful, but also really hard. I really wanted her hundred percent part of mine, but who am I to like ask her to be held back from her own life? It just was messy, Nicole. Like, right. It was a lot. Um, but today Todd is amazing. I'm so honored to have him in my life. He has two, um, younger sons, that him and his wife before she passed away. So he's widowed as well, which makes some things really beautiful, Mm -hmm. hard, but beautiful. Um, They were adopted by them. So they look nothing like Todd and they look nothing like me. And we have a very much mixed modern family. (laughs) Um, Still messy. Like we still have really hard moments we have to walk through. I think even like this season with becoming grandparents, right? My mom totally misses my dad, but needs to understand what it looks like to into this new role with Todd as Maddox's grandfathers. And what does it look like to introduce my dad to our son and have him live on to even him? And it just, I like, I just feel like I need to say this to people, it's still going to be messy. Like there, you do not have to clean it up and it's never going to be tidy. This is just a part of it. And there's going to be new layers every step of the way. And I think the best thing to do is show up to them willing to learn and to grow, but then also, you know, have the, have the grace for yourself to, for, for you to make it even messier than before, but with the intentions of doing your best. And yeah, the story with my mom is beautiful. And one of redemption again, God has just shown up in crazy cool ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard you say too before um, something like, you know, you would love to have your dad back, but you're like you don't think he would want to come back seeing like seeing the way your life is now and the way your your family is now and that they're happy and I think that's really beautiful too to know that you think like you believe that he is blessing you yes wherever he is yeah one of my favorite things to do is in really quiet moments think like what would dad say like what would he what where would he be in these moments you know um and there's a lot of ways that I just just can see him smirking his little smirk and smiling and being like, just, just nodding and being really pleased. And I sometimes, I have had this dream several times where he's standing at the gates of heaven and turns back around. And then Jesus standing there with him and says like, are you ready? And he looks back 
and he looks back again and he's like, I think, yeah, they'll be okay. And he just walks in and, and I, I don't know if that's actually what happened. I'll ask him when I get there, but it helps. It gives me some peace to know that he did the best he could at living the best life he knew died literally doing what he loved and that we all have found ways to move forward and move on. And it's hurt, but there have been beautiful things on the other side that I don't want to miss because I'm just so, you know, dwelling on the sad and yes, the sad exists, but it's not all that exists. And so what else can I find in these spaces that might be hidden treasures that God has in store for me that I, I just definitely don't want to miss. Yeah. And so with that in mind, how do you, how do you sort of navigate that now, like in this new season of motherhood and, and Mm -hmm. like with your son being born and are there new moments of grief or do you find, do you, are you sort of at a place now where it feels more like trying to find joy within those kind of harder feelings? Both for sure. Uh, I just had like a moment the other day where I was sad, obviously not being able to introduce Maddox to my dad and it's funny because I had always imagined my life to look a certain way, right? Like I imagined my wedding day to look like X, Y, Z, and it did not because it was missing a very important person on that day. So I had to almost reimagine it, like revisualize it or else it would just catch me in the moment. And so now I, I said this earlier, but it's true. I've tried to be proactive with my grief and not assume things are going to be hard, but prepare for them to be hard. And that way, if it's not great, like I can have a glorious day. And if it is hard, perfect. Like I had kind of prepared Thomas that this might be really difficult for me. Like here's ways you can love me in advance or, um, all right, self, like speaking to my own self, this is going to be pretty difficult probably to deliver your child and have your mom walk in the room and dad not be behind her. So what is that going to look like? How can I prepare my heart to still make this moment a treasure for my mom and not one that I look back on and it's sad for me because it's sad and happy. It can be an and and both. It doesn't have to be an or. So, um, I just like to be proactive with it. And then just as much as I'm proactive with how I'm going to grieve it and proactive with what can I find out of this? Like, what can I be looking for actively in this as well? So yes, it's going to be sad to not see dad walk through the hospital doors with my mom, but how beautiful is it going to be when I hand my, my baby over to my mom for her to meet him for the first time? That is something I can focus on. Um, you know, and those moments, I don't want to miss the joy, but there's definitely permission to grieve it as well. Like it is a both. And so when we were crying, we were crying for both reasons. And when we were excited, we were excited that he's watching from a different place. And it's just, you have, it's very awkward, but you can hold it with both hands at the same time. And especially when you're walking through people that understand, like having Thomas, a part of this is, I mean, I count it as one of my biggest blessings because he can, he just so badly wants to understand and he's hungry to learn and to, to look, to know what it looks like to lead our family in this way. So, yeah, I just, it's a both and not an yeah. or. Yeah. And the, do, do you have any, uh, d- did you have any at the time or do you still kind of, was there any resources or, you know, song lyrics, Bible versus anything that you feel would be particularly helpful or that you would offer to anybody if they were experiencing something similar? Yes. Um, my favorite is Romans eight twenty eight that the Lord works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I can't tell you how many times a day I say that, like, even when just 
annoying things happen. Like we miss an appointment because I forgot to put it in my phone. I'm like, okay, God's working it together for the good. Like I'm really angry at myself, but it works out somehow. Like it was supposed to happen this way. Um, and it's fun to think through it. Like what would I be missing out now? Had it not been hard earlier? Yeah. What parts of my life wouldn't exist or not even want to exist. Like, would I not know to cherish? Would I not be excited about? I, I get so excited about small, stupid things because I know what it's like to be in such low places that my extravagant might be someone else's normal and they don't know to take it as, as heavily as I feel like I do personally. And there's just small ways that God winks at me every day that I don't want to miss. And I think Romans eight twenty eight totally just shows me and it's, it's a truth. It's a promise that he is going to do something good with even the worst we could ever think because he is that good of a God. And then also Ephesians three twenty that he's going to do exceedingly abundantly more, all that we could ever ask or imagine. So when I'm imagining my life, what it's going to look like post dad, and whenever I'm imagining what it's going to be like with my kid growing up, not knowing, hugging, being with his biological grandfather, God has so much more in store for Maddox than just meeting my dad. And so to think like there's something cooler than that. Yes, Rachel, there is. And so to be on the hunt and the lookout for what that's going to be almost keeps me on my toes and gets me excited about tomorrow instead of um, sitting in this really depressive state where I'm just so focused on yesterday and how hard yesterday was. Right. So um, those two verses for sure. Yeah, that's, that's great. We'll, we'll put those in the show notes too. And when you, when you, think about your dad today. What, what do you feel like? What, what does that feel like for you when you just sit and think about him today? Oh Being gosh. years later. <laughs> um, he, oh, I just wish I could introduce him to people I know today. He is, um, he was very strong, very passionate about good things and bad things. Um, he fought for the underdog. He loved showing up for people that felt like they didn't deserve to be showed up for. Um, he was just super bold and courageous probably because he understood the brevity of life. And so now that I've understood the brevity of life, what does it look like for me to be bold and courageous? Cause today could be my last day. He just left such a legacy of going for it. Just go for it. Like what is there to lose? The worst that can happen is you fall on your face. So you get back up. Like that was kind of what he left behind. Mm-hmm. And for me and for people that knew him, it's so neat to talk about him with other people that loved him because they remind me of who he was and I can remind them of who he is. And he, yeah, he left a stamp for sure, which encourages me. Like, how can I leave people better than I found them? How can I, you know, how am I going to be remembered? Am I just going to be that girl that had a podcast (laughs) or I'm going to be known for people that, you know, like, wow, she was really excited about life. She, you know, inspired me to X, Y, Z, not because it's about me, not at all, but hopefully because then like through my legacy, they can be passed on to the legacy that Jesus calls us to live. And they can see the abundant life that I lived. And hopefully they can search their own heart and know, do I have that same zeal? Am I in, do I have that same relationship? No. Okay. Then what does it look like for me to be so excited? What am I missing? And then hopefully that can lead them to living a life that Lord calls them to, and they can live in abundance and freedom with knowing Jesus and what he did for us. That's great. That's what a great legacy to leave and leave you with. Okay. So before we wrap up, is there any, any like words of encouragement you want to leave anybody with any, anything really? Yeah. I would just, oh man, if I could like actually hold someone's face these days, I would do it. And I would, I would just hold your face and say that it is so hard 
It is so hard. And Jesus is weeping with you. Like he is not standing above you. He is right beside you. He is down on the floor with you. He wants to be in those spaces with you. So not because we're excited for him to be there. Cause there were definitely moments where I doubted and I was angry and I did not want him a part of the process by any means, but he, he's not going to leave me just because I'm mad at him. He's not going to leave me just because I excuse. And I told him to leave. He's going to still, he's going to persist and be there with us. Cause that's the God he is. He chooses us anyways. And I would just encourage you to be honest and that the, that God is such a safe God for you to say, like, I am mad at you. I do not understand. I want it differently. And you didn't give it to me differently. And for us to be that way with him, I think is a, is a, a just a precious way to spend time with him because he's able to, not that he didn't already know he knows, but I think he's able to be honored and receive it and give us something back more beautiful. When we hand up, hand him our beautiful pieces, he's able to give it back to us in a way we never knew existed like that Ephesians three twenty. like I said. So I think, um, I just would encourage people listening. Yeah. To just get real, get honest. Um, and if it's not with people around you, cause you haven't found those people yet, like, well, please let it be the Lord. Cause he knows, and he wants to fill those gaps so badly. Yeah, that's great. And then, okay. So we're just going to wrap up. So where can everybody find you if they don't already know you? <laughs> Yeah, come hang out with me. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram. Like I, it's like my own little journal. I feel like um, it's at Rachel dot Autry A W T R E Y. Um, and then because Instagram, you know, things expire and you can't always find things easily. You can also find me online at rachelautry.com. and I have a podcast where we talk about things like this and motherhood and our favorite thing just I mean like you name it girl talk we we try to chat about it and that is behind the bliss podcast and you can listen to that on any of your favorite podcast platforms that's awesome I love that podcast so much and I think you've got one of the most like beautifully curated Instagram accounts even though it's imperfect it's just like so pretty and nice I love oh kind <laughs> Kind of, well, it loves you, Nicole. Seriously, like <laughs> it's so fun to record. I mean, you know this from being a podcast girl yourself, but it's so fun to be behind the mic and be like, who's listening to me right now? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. It's really fun. Well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I'm so grateful you agreed to come and chat with me today. Well, you're doing something beautiful. So I'm just so honored to be a part of it. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to From Heaven and Hope. If you found today's episode comforting, encouraging, and enlightening, I encourage you to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Please take care and know that you're never alone in this journey.